Hey, Amy, guess what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I just looked at some of our podcast statistics, and we're approaching 15,000 downloads. Mm. Orthos really like us. I'd like to think it's about you and me, but what do you think the real reason is that they listen to the podcast? I think it's just me, not you. <laughs> Just kidding. The feedback I, I get right. is <laughs> when I talk to clients, they say that um, they appreciate the insiders that we bring on as guests uh, and the marketing ideas that we that we give out and that we talk about. And I think, you know, moreover, I, it, it helps to feel connected to the broader orthodontic community. Yeah, I, I, I think that that has a lot to do with it. I know when I was in practice, it can be kind of isolating, you know, working in the practice, particularly if you work solo. So... Um, and with uh, no uh, AAO in person this year and things like that, you really yeah. miss big opportunities to meet up with your colleagues, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, hopefully today, today's episode will be equally as valuable as we're going to delve into the finances of orthodontics with today's guest, Ching Ching Ching. <laughs> I'm sure it will be well received. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order and retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. I'm Amy Epstein, and I have 20 years of marketing, branding, and public relations experience working with companies both large and small on everything from branding to transition to communications to digital lead generation campaigns. I'm joined by my dad, who is a retired orthodontist, and he is my co-founder of People and Practice and also our CEO. Amy, you know, uh, I know you went to business school, right? You did go to business school, right? I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, but, you know, as orthos, we never learned much about running a business or certainly about financial planning. I think we had one lunch and learn when I was a resident sponsored by a local uh, CPA trying to drum up business, I would assume, and brought in a few sandwiches. But that was about it. Today, I'm excited about having a real financial expert, Brad Cuchero from John McGill and Company as our special guest today. Brad is both a certified public accountant and a certified financial planner, and has been providing customized tax and business planning services for the dental profession since 2007. During this time, he's helped, I'd say, over 500 dentists and specialists across the country plan for their financial independence, reduce their stress, give them peace of mind, which I think is critical. Mm -hmm. um, and Brad also um, developed and directs McGill's comprehensive planning for retirement services as well. Graduated from the University of Iowa, holds uh, degrees, uh, bachelor's and master's in accounting. Um, he worked for Price Waterhouse Coopers, performing customized tax and financial planning services for high net worth individuals. Brad's a member of the American Institute of CPAs and the North Carolina Association of Certified Public Accountants. Brad, on behalf of both of us and really the entire ortho community, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts with us today. Thank you, Amy and Leon. It's truly a privilege to be with everyone today, and I'm really excited about 
the timing of this podcast, given the year-end uh, tax planning strategies, along with the uh, election that just took place. Right. Yes. On that note, I think most of us are ready at this point to say good riddance to 2020, and we're hopeful for a better year in 2021, right? Amen. Um, <laughs> so that said, um, can you tell us how your clients' practices performed, uh, let, let's say over the last seven months after, after COVID really started in earnest? Absolutely. Um, and just to, to clarify, our clients, we serve all of the dental profession. So um, about 30 to 40% are in the orthodontic field. Um, but we also have the privilege of working with general dentists and other specialists as well. So like most practices, you know, May was an interesting month trying to get all the protocols in place and get patients rescheduled and get everything in, into the new normal. Um, most of our clients come June, they set a record in June for production and or collection. Mm-hmm. And July was also an incredible month for them. And then things, I refer to it, got back to as normal as they could be. So, you know, we did a recent survey and we asked all of our clients, hey, tell us, you know, how busy are you compared to how busy you were before the the pandemic? Almost a third of the doctors indicated they were back at 100%, which I think is remarkable. Mm -hmm. Uh, About 84% of doctors were somewhere between the 80 and 100% of capacity or 80 to 100 percent of where they were pre-pandemic. So we're very, um, we're cautiously optimistic about the future. We haven't had any clients calling us in extreme panics about cash flow or bankruptcies yet. And uh, it seems things are going as well as they possibly could given the circumstances. Yeah. That's good to uh, hear. You know, we're hearing the same thing from, you know, from our ortho clients is that, you know, they've, they've adapted and, and a lot of the work that we've done with them during that period of time had to do with preparing them to work a little bit differently, the, you know, the virtual consults and adapting to some new technology and, and different workflows. But all in all, um, I think, uh, you know, I, I could speak for the ortho profession that we, we've been pretty resilient. So... Let's stay on the topic of COVID-19 for a minute. And let me ask you about what I think is probably the most confusing federal assistance program that we've ever seen, the PPP, Payroll Protection Program. I know there's a lot of confusion with our listeners with regard to what paperwork they need to file, when they need to file it for forgiveness. So my question is, what actions should orthos take in preparation for the PPP loan forgiveness, and the provider relief fund filings. Yeah, absolutely. And just to follow up on a comment uh, you made, Leon, you know, the quote we've tried to embrace around our office is comfort is the enemy of progress. And, mm. you know, some people um, get to a point in their you know career and they may get a little comfortable and they stop progressing. And as we all know, coronavirus has made us all uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And although that doesn't feel good, uh, trying to take the positive out of it, to your point, I, I think it's forced all of us to adapt, to be creative, to rethink the way we do things, and on the back end, hopefully come out better and stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other point I wanted to follow up on, 
as most of you know, in orthodontics, collections typically lags production by about a year or so. So in other words, in 2019, we produced X. So that's a good indicator of what we're going to collect in 2020. So a lot of orthodontists uh, this year, their collections are as good as they were last year, even up a little bit. But a lot of them, I don't think, have really looked at their production. And production may be down um, compared to the year before, which is an indication of what's to come next year as far as their collections. So um, mm -hmm. that's something I think everyone should look at. And that's you know a good lead-in to your question, which is with all the PPP loan provisions, and they didn't make it easy on us. They have PPP, and then all of you have PPE. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what are we what are we to do now that we're late in 2020? So just to give everyone a little bit of overview on what's to come on PPP, you have approximately you have 10 months from the end date of your covered period to receive forgiveness without having to repay any of the loan. So most practices receive their PPP loans in April or May, and it's a 24-week covered period. So for example, if we got our loan May 1st, the covered period ended sometime in October. Hmm. And we have 10 months from that October date to get the PPP loan forgiven before we have to make a payment, which pushes it out to August of next year. So we've been recommending orthodontists delay filing the application for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, there's been a lot of chatter about the government may just forgive all loans under $150,000 without having to file an application. Hmm. So that'd be great if that happens. If it doesn't happen or an orthodontist received a loan greater than $150,000, we're still waiting to see if there's any further uh, tax incentives that come out this year or early next year for 2020, mm -hmm. which may dictate what expenses we want to submit with our PPP application. For most practices, they're going to use almost all of it, if not all of it, for payroll. Mm -hmm. But if some sort of provision comes out that would cause us to want to submit loan forgiveness for lower payroll costs, um, we want to be able to adjust and adapt on the fly. For those people who already submitted their PPP loan forgiveness applications, they won't be able to go back and redo that. Mm -hmm. The third item we're keeping our eye on is the deductibility of PPP uh, of expenses that were paid from PPP funds. So the IRS has ruled that any expense that we paid from the PPP funds is not deductible on our tax return. So ultimately what that means is we're going to pay income tax on the PPP money we received. So uh, as I mentioned before, you know, a lot of orthodontic practices collections are the same as last year, if not up, because we're basing them on 2019 production and now their deductible expenses may be reduced as a result of PPP. So there's been a, a few handful of clients that have actually had a higher taxable income on their projection mm -hmm. for 2020 than they anticipated leading to a higher tax bill. 
Mm-hmm. So the uh, AICPA, I believe the ADA, and a lot of other organizations and politicians have lobbied to try to have the IRS reverse their stance on that and allow businesses to deduct the expenses that were paid from the PPP funds. But as it stands today, um, you know, those expenses are not deductible. As a result, the PPP funds are included in taxable income. So, Brad, let me just uh, clarify uh, just for our listeners. So, am I hearing you say that we shouldn't rush to file for the forgiveness application right away? We should wait a little bit? Absolutely. I would definitely wait until uh, sometime around February or March to consider applying for forgiveness. And as I tell all our clients, we're taking everything a day at a time. And as we saw during the pandemic, things can change in a matter of hours. So Mm. let's hold off on applying for PPP forgiveness. Time is on our side since we have till second half of the year to do that. And let's see what the new laws uh, look like if anything changes before then. And and the other question I had is, as we move to 2021 and prepare, uh, you know, our finances, should our, our quarterly taxes reflect the additional income or should we just hold off on that? Yeah, that's an incredible question. So uh, preparing 2021 quarterly taxes typically is based on the prior year. Mm-hmm. And 2020 is a very abnormal year. We are closed and we got all these PPP funds. Hopefully all of the practices receive the provider relief funds, which are also taxable income to doctors. So to play it safe uh, and avoid any underpayment penalties, we typically base the current year, which next year will be 2021, payments on the 2020 taxes. And we add about 10% of them, 10% to them. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I would definitely base 2021 on 2020 to avoid underpayment penalties. And then um, it would be really important to have our CPA continue to monitor that throughout the year in case we need to increase it or decrease it so we don't have a substantial overpayment or underpayment. Okay, that's great. Yeah, thank you for that information. Um, so let me shift gears a little bit, um, you know, and, and mentioned to you, you know, during the onset of COVID and throughout the peak of the spring crisis, we worked closely with our practices to help them prepare to bridge the gap when they couldn't see patients in person. Everybody is going to hate me for even bringing this up again as, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to be in that position again. And there's a good chance that no one will be in that position again. However, we are always preparing, always be prepared Um, so, um, you know, we worked with them at the time to communicate, um, what would happen, what precautions were being taken when they could welcome patients back in the practice. And I mentioned bridge the gap, but also, you know, what kind of technologies can be implemented in order to see patients when they couldn't see patients in person. So, um, you know, just like we are always thinking about this, just in case it should happen again, can you shed some additional light as to how you think orthodontists should prepare in case they have to stop seeing patients in person for any length of time? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when the pandemic happened and we were shutting down in March and or April, um, everyone was kind of in that panic mode, the, the deep water, new territory, and it was, it was new to everyone. Right. And so one of the things we looked at, we reflected after that settled down, we looked out the rearview mirror and we said, hey, what, what could we have done differently? Or what could we have done better? And I think given the circumstances overall, people did incredibly well. And there wasn't a whole lot that we would have changed dramatically. I think the one area that, you know, I'm being more aggressive with doctors on now is with their lines of credit. Hmm. So historically, we've recommended doctors have business lines of credit for their practice in the event of an emergency. We've recommended doctors have home equity lines of credit on the personal side in the event of a personal emergency. And we, I've been kind of relaxed in pushing doctors on those. In other words, I would tell them you need it, but then if they said they weren't interested or it was too much work, I'd just let it go. Mm-hmm. When the pandemic hit, the doctors that had those lines of credit slept a lot better at night because they had that emergency fund. And then the doctors that wanted the line of credit, as you know, um, couldn't get them because the banks were swamped with PPP loan applications. Right. So I think every doctor pre-pandemic and post-pandemic should have a business line of credit, home equity line of credit. Make sure those are in place in the event we do have another shutdown. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Um, as, if, as you've probably worked with your clients, communication is key, even if we're not providing any you know, new information in terms of strategy just being open and transparent with the staff and with the patients, I think, will play a vital part. If we do shut down, people will feel a little more prepared and, and a little less angst. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the virtual appointments, teledentistry, maybe you can comment on that since you've probably been in it a little bit more than I have. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also a huge um, opportunity and in, in item doctors should at least consider and prepare for in case they have to go that direction if they haven't already. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the doctors that we were working with that had that technology in place, specifically dental monitoring, which will which allowed for, uh, you know, seeing patients virtually, um, really helped to stay connected to patients to reassure patients that they're still being treated, everything is going just fine. Um, I think in some cases, it even um, helped to strengthen relationships with patients in that there was a really smooth transition over to having a virtual practice. Um, you know, it was for a short manageable period of time in most cases. And so, um, you know, with the technology in place, whether it's a virtual consult technology or, you know, virtual appointment technology, um, if it was there and you weren't scrambling, and even if you scrambled and got it into place, then you had the tools you needed to make everything continue to work. You could still have your TCs talking to potential, you know, consults that were scheduled. And so, um, and the overall message, just in terms of communication, Brad, you mentioned, not only to the, the practice members themselves, team, but to patients and pr- prospective new patients, it wasn't, we're closed. That was just not a strong message that we wanted to put out there. It was rather, we're virtual. Come talk to us. We're here. You want to talk to the doctor? You have a question? You want to get in touch? No problem. Um, And that was really, we got behind that and we tried to get our clients to 
um, get behind that, which most of them did. And I think it really helped. As is customary on our podcast, we ask our listeners if they have questions that they can ask our guests. So if you don't mind, I'm going to uh, go ahead and play one for you now. Hi, my name is Dr. Richard Boyd from Columbia, South Carolina. I'd like to know how will the potential tax law changes under the Biden's tax plan impact orthodontist uh, in 2021 and beyond? Thank you. Absolutely, Dr. Boyd. That's a great question, and we're getting that question on a a daily basis. Uh, We got it a lot pre-election, and we were able to kick the can down the road and said, let's get to the election first and see what happens. And then now that it, uh, you know, the results are out, uh, we've been getting that question a lot more. To give you a little bit of of perspective on, um, you know, President-elect Biden's tax plan, it's really targeting individuals that have taxable income of $400,000 or more. So um, I call it Biden-proof your tax return. (laughs) And what I mean by that is to try to get our taxable income uh, down to or under that $400,000 level. And, you know, most orthodontists, uh, if they're eligible and it's cost-effective for a cash balance plan, they can really dump a lot of money into a qualified tax-deductible retirement plan, drive their taxable income down, and even if they don't get down to the $400,000 level, it saves them a significant amount of taxes. Under the Biden plan, for people that make over $400,000, they're looking to increase the top tax rate from 37% to 39.6%, so almost a 3% bump. They have also come out with uh, some verbiage around what I call the donut hole when it comes to payroll taxes. Right now, the payroll taxes or the Social Security taxes are only on wages up to $137,900. And under the Biden proposal, um, once someone hits $400,000 of wages, they will kick in the Social Security tax again between $400,000 and $500,000. That's about 12.4% tax, so it's over $12,000 potential tax increase for doctors who have earned income or W-2 income of, of more than $500,000. A lot of people are concerned about capital gains, and the Biden tax plan says if your taxable income is over a million dollars, rather than utilizing the current capital gain tax rate of 20%, it's going to go to the top tax rate of 39.6. So for most orthodontists, this won't impact them today, but it could potentially impact them down the road when they sell their practice because a lot of that income is classified as capital gain income. So there's been talks about you'll see more installment sales in the future to try to keep those capital gains under a million dollars. But once again, we'll have to wait and see what the final plan comes out, uh, what the verbiage says. The itemized deductions right now, charitable contributions, state and local income tax, mortgage interest, there's no cap on them. Under the Biden plan, once we hit $400,000 of income, those itemized deductions are going to start to be phased out. Hmm. Switching gears from the income tax standpoint to the estate tax standpoint, under the current law, an individual can die and leave approximately $11.5 million to their heirs, completely estate tax-free. So for a married couple, that puts us up to about $23 million that we could leave to our family without paying a dime of estate tax. Uh, 
So for 98, 99% of orthodontists, right now they don't have an estate tax issue given the current levels. Under the Biden tax plan, that estate tax exemption drops to $5 million per person, which would be $10 million for a married couple. Uh, we do have a ton of clients in that 10 to $20 million net worth range, so we could see a lot of clients go from a zero estate tax to a significant estate tax, which would require a lot of estate tax planning to try to uh, mitigate the damages down the road. Um, as we all know, the House is, you know, the majority of the House are Democrats, the President-elect is a Democrat, and the Senate's still open. The state of Georgia, I guess, is going to announce next year the final two seats in the Senate, and that's going to dictate whether the Senate is red or blue. If the Senate goes blue, then we think there's a high probability that tax reform could be in place by the end of next year. Uh, if the Senate goes red, uh, we think that the Democrats are going to have a hard time pushing a lot of their proposals through because the Senate has to sign off on them. So mm -hmm. that's going to play a huge part in the tax reform, uh, the pandemic. Who knows what Biden's plan is day one when he gets in next year. But we imagine that he's going to focus on the pandemic first and tax reform second. So we are hopeful that tax reform won't take place until late next year, which would be effective in 2022 rather than 21. But we always plan for the worst and hope for the best, which means you know we're, we're kind of coaching our clients around the tax proposals would be implemented next year just to make sure that we mitigate any tax damages. Wow, Brad, my hand is tired of writing you've given us so much information um really your, your expertise is so much appreciated particularly towards the end of the of the year um but i'm not going to let you go and time's running out we're going to have to have you back but i'm not going to let you go without you giving our listeners any last minute strategies other than the ones you've already mentioned um that could benefit them before the end of the year Absolutely. The first thing I've been telling clients, um, we, we have an orthodontics and orthodontist are the ones that are most likely to be in this situation. A client calls in, they say, hey, Brad, I have $400,000 in my practice checking account. What do I do with the money? And I say, well, your collections are similar to last year, as we already discussed. Your Expenses are going to be down for tax purposes, as we already discussed, which means your income is going to be up. Have you t called your CPA, and have they given you a 2020 tax projection? And nine times out of ten, the answer is no. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors are going to get that tax bill um, that's going to be larger than they expect. So number one, let's figure out what the damage is. Uh, we, we don't want to get a surprise. As one of my clients said once, I got a call in the Target parking lot on April 15th at 4 p.m., and my CPA told me I owed $50,000 by 5 p.m., and I almost had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Let's find out if there are any damages, what they are now, so we can be proactive with that. Right. It's already um, you know, December. We have a few more weeks to be proactive. 
the retirement plans are the biggest area where we can save taxes. So are we maxing out our retirement plans this year? Do we need to adjust our compensation? If we do need to adjust our compensation, we need to make sure that's completed by the end of the year. If we have a 401k plan, we need to make sure we're maximizing those 401k salary deferrals. Um, if we're charitably inclined, this one's a tough conversation. A lot of people say, I want to go ahead and pre-fund some of my charitable contributions this year through a donor advised fund to reduce my taxes, and I look at them and say, well, what happens if tax rates go up next year? We'd rather mm -hmm. potentially kick those charitable contributions to next year and get a higher tax deduction. So um, that one has to be navigated very carefully to make sure it's in the client's best interest to go ahead and pre-fund this year, but that is an option. Mm -hmm. I love what we call the Augusta rule. We just had the Masters last month. Um, People in Augusta rented their houses out 14 days to the large corporations that came in town for the, the tournament. And what the tax law says is you can rent your house up to 14 days and not pay a dime of income tax on the income. So doctors, if they have a corporation, they can rent their house up to 14 days to their orthodontic corporation, get a tax deduction through the corporation, and get tax-free income on the personal side. So if they haven't done that for 2020, it's something they may want to do before the end of the year to get some more tax-free income. Huh. The other item, I, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this, but the, the Family um, Relief Act, which says if your staff goes out because they tested positive or they're caring for a loved one that tested positive or they've been in close contact with someone that tested positive for coronavirus, under the Family Leave Act, uh, the government will pay them up to two weeks. And that means the orthodontist would need to pay them their regular wages, but then they file, we call it a refundable payroll tax credit through their payroll provider. So if an orthodontist had a staff member go out for that reason and they continued to pay them, we need to make sure that we file for that refundable tax credit through our payroll provider since the government's basically paying their wages for that period. Mm -hmm. I think those are the big items for the rest of this year. For the doctors who are not taxed as S-corporations, that's a strong consideration to look at for quarter one of next year. And hopefully that will give you know, doctors some planning opportunities to legally reduce their taxes. It's a lot to it's a lot to consider and uh, and move forward on. So thanks, Brad. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. We'd love to have you back, as my dad said. Uh, if our listeners want to talk to you more um, about your services and your expertise, how is it? How would you like them to contact you? Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be with everyone. I've, if anyone has any questions about any of the topics, we discussed today or interested in our services, they can um, call our number or they can email us at info at mcgillhillgroup.com. Just go to the website. It will have all that information. We can tell you a lot more about our tax and business planning services, which are designed to, uh, our goal is to help doctors make more money while legally cutting their taxes. So if that's mm -hmm. of interest to you, please reach out to us and we love Love to chat to see if our uh, visions align. Thanks, Brad. 
You can subscribe or download other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate you telling your colleagues. For more information about people in practice, you can sign up for our free marketing newsletter on our website at pplpractice.com. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to contact me directly, just shoot me an email at leon at pplpractice.com. Just as a side note, I'm, I'm a client of, of McGill and company. It's a great, great, great group of knowledgeable people there. So if you're looking for advice, this is a tremendous resource. I don't have to tell you if all you have to do is listen to the podcast. Um, but remember, for forward-thinking orthos, it's never really been a better time to be an orthodontist. I know you may hear differently, and, and I'm on the Facebook groups, and I get it. But um, we are in the golden age right now, if you're willing to take advantage of it. So until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at thesurvivalguidefororthodontists.com.